Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to Marianne Live. I'm Marianne Camarado. Like I always say, great relationships begin within. I don't know what you're needing right now, where you're at, on your journey, on your path. Uh, Let's start with getting present, though, so we can receive the presence of this hour, which we do have a gift for you this hour. Tina Benson is joining us today to talk about her new book, A Woman Unto Herself, A Different Kind of Love Story. So, yes, uh, for those of you who know that uh, our guest is with us today, Tina Benson, you know we're going to be talking about love, so maybe you're needing some tools, an adjustment, an upgrade, uh, a listening into your relationship with relationships and love. For the rest of us, maybe you're not sure. You just keep tuning in again and again because you know that you're going to hear something that you might need to either fluff up your relationship tool belt or perhaps learn something new or some of both. Again, whatever or wherever you find yourself right now, let's start together by getting present, finding our breath, noticing where your breath is in your body. <sighs> Maybe adding some sound, giving yourself the gift of your own attention. Right? Sometimes our shoulders get up around our earlobes depending on where you are listening from. It might be evening or morning. You might be driving in traffic. Just noticing where your breath is and bringing some attention, some awareness there. And with that intentionality, noticing the quality of your breath. And that's it. Nothing to do about it. Just notice. You might, like I said, want to I don't know, place a little emphasis there. Maybe take a deeper breath. Feels good to me. Well, whatever feels good to you, let's turn our attention now towards the second part of our practice that we do together here on Marianne Live is finding a portal of gratitude. I know some of you are groaning. (laughs) So not easy to find gratitude sometimes, particularly this time of year for a lot of us who are amid the uh, holiday celebratory hoo-ha, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of being somebody who's in love with that or humbugging it all. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. Sometimes it's hard to find our gratitude. Nonetheless, just remember the last time you did. It feels so good. It puts us right. gets us in right relationship with ourselves, with each other, with maybe your higher self, your higher power, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'd love to start by asking the question, who made it possible for you to do what you're doing right now? It's a great way to find your relationship with gratitude. It works for me. 
we'd like to invite you to find that portal for yourself. What are you wearing, for example, or what kind of food do you have in your belly? And just noticing all of the people, all of the animals that may have been involved, maybe paying homage to the sun, the stars, the moon, the earth, whatever. You'll find it. Find your way there. It actually just feels good to be in right relationship. Sometimes we are overcome with our defense mechanisms or just life in general, piling a lot on, like I said, the holiday uh, climate. So as you are playing with your portal of gratitude, you may have already climbed it and slid down and are having a great time or making your way there. I'm going to mention a few folks who make it possible for us to do what we do right here on Marion Live. First and foremost, Linda McKenzie and Jay Cruz at HealthyLife.net Radio. Make it possible for us to bring positive talk radio to you, to all of us, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a beautiful gift they give, and for that we are grateful, including the One World Children's Fund that's on our list, .org, if you're online. They are our honorary sponsor, uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. That's the global gratitude we have. On a national level, we want to thank the National Action Organization, N-A-C-T-I-O-N.org, if you're online, helping change the way our culture values women and each other. They make programs like this possible. 100% of the proceeds goes to this program, or programming just like this. And on a uh, local level, if you've ever been to California, if you like Northern California in particular, and you like bookstores, we certainly want to bring your attention to the Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California. They've been a sponsor of this program for the last decade. We're so grateful. They are, and uh, they probably got a copy uh, of Tina Benson's book sitting somewhere uh, inside of their beautiful portal for uh, the latest in re- revelation and meditation, as my, uh, one of my producers likes to say. Yeah, check them out. Find yourself trolling around a bookstore, like Open Secret Bookstore. Oh, wow. Who knows what can happen? All right. Finding my breath, uh, which is in my belly. It's halfway in between my belly and my throat, I think, at this point. And just uh, wanting to extend my gratitude for you tuning in today for the first time. Thank you. And if you're a repeat customer, we're so grateful that you're here. And we promise to offer you... Uh, tools and skills to help you uh, navigate, to attract and create and sustain healthy, fulfilling relationship in your life. That's what we do here at Marian Live. And today, uh, we're delivering for you. We've got Tina Benson joining us. She's written a book for you, A Woman Unto Herself is the title, A Different Kind of Love Story. And Tina's going to be joining us this hour talking about um, her, journey, her personal journey, her very personal journey, um, and hoping that uh, in this a book it may save you years of heartbreak and frustration in your own life as you navigate the, the waters of desire and passion, longing for love. That's a big conversation. So many of us feel desperate for love. We think it happens outside of ourselves. Tina, you're going to help us rethink our relationship with our longing uh, this hour. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our guest today, Tina Benson. Uh, is a, um, holds a master's degree as a modern-day soul whisperer and transpersonal union-oriented spiritual teacher and life coach. And she's led consciousness explorations, chakra initiation, meditation retreats, couples and women's retreats, ecstatic dancing, voice dialogue, Enneagram work, chanting, ritual, and travel to sacred sites around the world. 
all that, which she's packed in her book and uh, is going to be front and center with us today, this hour. She is uh, in Northern California here living, uh, and uh, she's also created something called the Soul Speaks Project. We're going to talk to her about this project this hour on Marian Live. And uh, without further ado, we want to welcome Tina Benson to the program. Hello, Tina. Thank you so much, Marianne. It's uh, talking about gratitude. I'm filled with gratitude today to be on your show. Well, we're so glad you're here. We love, love, love. A lot of our listeners write to us again and again. We love hearing stories about people like yourself, you know, devoted their lives to helping us understanding the complexity of intimate relationship. It is just, I think, for, for most folks, given that we're relational creatures, something that is confounding for most of us. So we're grateful back to you that you've tried to make sense of this, rat net. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you uh, to write this book, because I know that you started out wanting to create a, a sort of a self-help book, uh, laying out the tools, and then it turned into something quite different. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, I did set out. I've been a relationship coach and have uh, worked with couples and taught couples retreats for probably 30 years now, and I had sat down to write a couple's guide for relationships, and it was going to be called After Ever After, What Happens After You Ride Off Into the Sunset to Live Happily Ever After. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was my whole personal life fell apart. The man that I was deeply in love with and uh, talking about getting married to, I found out was having affairs on another continent in the world. And I, and shortly thereafter that, my father died, and so unexpectedly and suddenly. So I started writing at that point not to write a book. The book project got abandoned, and I was sorting my way through why did I fall in love with this particular man, and I knew that there was a lot of red flags from the very beginning of the relationship that I steadfastly ignored because I was deeply in love with him. And uh, I, so my writing really was, at, from that point forward, an attempt to understand why I stayed in a relationship that I knew wasn't good and why I learned to love somebody who turned out to be a full-blown narcissistic personality disorder and how I had allowed that to happen. So my writing was no longer about writing a book, but was intended for me to sort my way through myself and how, as an educated person with a bachelor and a master's degree in psychology, could have gotten so blindsided. Mm -hmm. And the journey that I took in the writing was deep and profound and layer upon layer upon layer of confrontation with myself until I really got down to the bottom of it all and was looking at how I had learned to love as a child, having had a father who was somewhat narcissistic and misogynistic. I had had early loss in my life. I'd lost my mother when I was two and a half years old. And so I was weaving together the threads of how childhood lessons about love and who we learn to love and how we learn to love and the strategies that we devise to get love and to keep love largely determine how we go about looking for love in our adult relationships and who we choose to love. 
And uh, when I was finished with the book, and there's a number of threads in the book, that's one of them, how the childhood experiences of love teach us who to love and how to love. Uh, but there's also other strains in the book of the legacy of narcissism, spiritual awakening, um, travelogues through India, because a lot of my personal journey took me through India. Um, and then when I was done with the book, I really wasn't, exactly sure whether it was a book that that had any intention of being published or whether it was for my own personal growth and learning. And there was a series of synchronistic events where I was introduced to an editor shortly after I finished writing. And, And I said to him, can you just tell me if it's any good and if anybody but me should read this, if there's any reason to pursue getting this book published. And he emphatically came back to me 24 hours later and said, I've been up all night reading your book, and it must get published. It's a book that will be relevant to many more people than you, and it should get out there. And so that was the impetus. Uh, Now that it's been published and I've been hearing from people who are reading the book, I'm actually learning what the book is about. you know, I had my my journey in writing it, and then my inspiration to publish it was through this editor and his belief that it would be a meaningful book that would offer a lot of healing to people. Mm. And now that I'm hearing from people, I'm hearing things I didn't even know that it was about. Like I, I heard from a gentleman in uh, Germany who wrote me and said that he had been estranged from his adult daughter for many years and that in reading my book he was looking at his own narcissism as a father and how that had contributed to his estrangement with his daughter Mm -hmm. that was profoundly meaningful Mm -hmm. for me and i heard from a woman in india who told me that uh, her story was my story and my story was her story and hearing about my story and reading about my story uh, helped her connect the dots of her own life. And she said in her English, the English transa- translation of her Indian sentiment was, the words that she used were that she cried so hard reading my book that her eyeballs fell out of their orbit. <laughs> um and so, uh, you know, I'm continuing to learn from people who are reading it what the book is actually about. But my conscious intention, once I decided to publish it and get behind it and with the belief of this editor, um, was to tell a different kind of love story. There's The media is filled, you know, movies and poems and books and literature and art filled with you know, falling in love with an outer beloved and riding off into the sunset to live happily ever after. And there aren't enough books about the journey inward to the internal beloved. And that was that is one of the main reasons that I wrote the book, because I felt like there was a missing piece in at least our culture's literature about that journey. And I do believe that that journey is an important part of falling in love with an outer beloved. We have to we have to turn inward to ourselves and get to know ourselves deeply and love and cherish and honor and uh, pay w- devotion to ourselves 
so that when we go out into life looking for an outer lover or beloved, that we're not asking them to fill those holes for us, Mm -hmm. that we have done the work to nourish ourselves there so that we come to each other whole. Right. So, yeah, a lot, a lot is packed into this book. You just illustrated for us in a a brief little uh, monologue there about your journey uh, into investigating this this question yourself, Tina, someone who's got two degrees uh, and teaches other people about relationship dynamics, right? Have, have yourself, you were flummoxed by how is it that I could fall in love with someone uh, who, you know, betrayed me essentially, right? This is, this is uh, a profound question, particularly given all the tools and skills you have. The reason I'm pointing this out is what about the rest of us who are not as skilled, the rest of us who really do believe that love happens outside of ourselves, that we are not only programmed to think that, you know, our early childhood experiences, as you spoke of, um, really uh, become the filter for that as a reality, that love does happen outside of ourselves, that it's a survival issue, the way we are loved by our parents and so on. Your book, what I'm hearing you say is your book is really uh, a peek into your own world so we can glean some of these answers for ourselves. Uh, But the question remains, um, what what hope do we all have who are less skilled than you? (laughs) Um, Well, you know, I think the fact that the divorce rate here is over 51% certainly keeps reminding people uh, that, you know, even if you meet and fall madly in love with an outer beloved, at some point you are still confronted with yourself. Even within the greatest of relationships, there is a beckoning to come home to oneself. And, uh, you know, a good relationship, a really good, healthy, solid outer relationship is, can be two people walking side by side together as both people are doing their own inner work. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, whether you have two degrees or not, I mean, I had been married for 23 years. I had a very good marriage for 23 years before I met this person that I wrote the book about. And um, that marriage ended because I was very, and we were both very committed to our relationship being our spiritual path. And we made great use of our marriage in that way for 23 years. But over the course of the 23 years, he went out into life to forge his career and make his mark on the world. And I was also teaching workshops and seminars and retreats, but I was going more deeply and deeply and deeply into my own internal journey and was, was very much wanting to have a deeper spiritual, emotional, physical, sexual relationship than we could find Mm -hmm. with each other. And Mm -hmm. so we were two people who consciously chose after 23 years to release each other, which we did lovingly and with great gratitude for the 23 years that we had shared together um, and released each other. And then I fell in love with a man who, who is a textbook narcissistic personality disorder, and I have since made it my study to understand that particular diagnosis because it is one of the hardest to uh, one of the hardest to catch, and 
people who are trained in treating narcissists will say that they often get duped yeah. by narcissists because they're extremely charismatic yeah. and, you know. Hold that thought, Tina. We're going to yeah. go to break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about... Yeah, this longing that you brought up for us. Tina Benson is joining us. A Woman Under Herself is the title of her new book, A Different Kind of Love Story. We're going to talk about how to lean into that longing. We're going to talk about uh, creating a context for relationship. Is romantic love a spiritual path for you, or is it about a sacred inner marriage? We're going to unpack that right here on Marian Love. We'll get back right after these messages. Don't touch that dial back in just a minute. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Reynolds. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within, Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Hi, I'm Katie Couric. I've interviewed world leaders, CEOs, and celebrities, but my most important role has been as a mother. I've worked hard to encourage my two girls to believe in themselves. Girls with high self-esteem are better prepared to navigate life's challenges. So join me as we empower the next generation. This message was brought to you by the Alliance for Women in Media and made possible through the support of Dove and the Dove Self-Esteem Fund, working together to help girls reach their full potential. To learn more, go to Dove.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everybody. We're so glad you're here. Oh, yeah, we're talking about relationships. Intimacy. How do we love? From where do we love? What affects the way we love? And more than that, boy, what determines whether or not we can choose a partner uh, where we can experience what our heart's desire is? Right? So many of us uh, are, are flummoxed by this very question. I feel such deep desire to be in relationship, to merge with another, yet again and again we're faced with, as our guest today, Tina Penson, put it, we're faced with ourselves. 
know, we run up against our own material, which it feels way better, frankly, to blame the other person. I have been a big fan of thinking it was their fault, it's not <laughs> mine, until I realized the only common denominator in all my relationships was me. But it certainly does feel better, doesn't it, Tina, at least initially. <laughs> Yeah, for a temporary little while, yes. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know, when I when I was reeling from the aftermath of the betrayal, I, I you know I could only languish so long in feeling like the victim. Right. Uh, you know that, that I could have stayed there forever, I suppose, but I couldn't, given who I am. I had to start asking myself, well, why did I ignore the signs, and when did I learn to ignore? the things that I didn't want to see so that I could believe in what I wanted to believe in. Mm. And that was a very fruitful journey mm. because it wasn't just accident that I fell in love with a narcissist. I had a father who was narcissistic, and I learned very early on to love somebody no matter what, mm. no matter how they treated me or no matter how they behaved, I learned to overlook certain things. And that became a habit in all of my relationships. Yeah. So let's go back, Tina, to the um, uh, sort of orientation that you gave us around how we learn to love. Um, so you say your belief is um, that we learn, we sort of get these tracks laid down in childhood, the early dynamics. And you're not alone. It's the, probably the most prevalent theory there is, the attachment theory. Um, the way we learn to love as infants and then how that just continues to become a filter for our experience in later life and adult attachment, right, in adult relationships. Yes. Yes. So can you review that for folks, for folks who aren't as familiar with that orientation? Uh, because it sort of might sound familiar, like, oh, yeah, we recreate our family dynamics, but why? And then what can we do about it? Well, it's a great question and it's a huge topic, right, which a lot of books have been written about. I can use my own story as the most tangible example. So in my life, my mother left when I was two and a half and I was raised by my father and then my stepmother. And my father was alternately very loving and affectionate, but also very condescending and demeaning and narcissistic. And it was confusing to me that the same person could be both things, that he could be alternately affectionate and alternately demeaning. And what I did, because I had lost one parent already, I desperately needed to uh, hold on to the love that I could get from him. My strategy for getting love was to ignore the hurtful things that he said and did and keep a, a, an illusion of him as an all-good, all-loving father. And all children, no matter what their circumstances are, are confronted with the dilemma, how do I get love from the people I desperately need to get love by? And that's usually the mother and the father. And the environment teaches them. So different environments teach different things. Right. In my case, what I learned was if I ignored the things that he said and did and I went along with uh, the things that he liked and wanted that I usually got his affection and his love. And that started an early erosion of my own experience. I started to abandon the truth of my own experience, my own feelings, my own needs, and overrode those in order to appease him and to love him and to give him the attention 
she wanted so that I would get the attention and love I needed. Those are all pre-verbal strategies that we learn as kids to get the love that we desperately need, and we're wired for survival. We're primitive animals wired for survival, so we do what we have to do, and then that becomes the way that we unconsciously believe love goes. Right. Then just to jump on this train for folks who are trying to make sense of it, this implicit memory has no language. When, no, when she was saying pre-verbal, uh, yeah. when Tina's talking about that, it not only is um, without language, it's largely unconscious. We don't even know what's happening. And if it's a survival strategy, you're not thinking about it. All you're doing, like a creature trying to survive, is you're going to do whatever you can do as fast as you can do to make sure you get loved so you don't pretty much. Right. Yeah. And in, and in my case, merging with him was the best way to get loved by him. So when my mother left, he didn't like dealing with uncomfortable feelings, so we just sort of ignored the fact that she had ever been there or had ever existed. And merging with him meant that I packed away my own grief, my own confusion, all of the feelings I had, and joined with him and just kind of pretended that she had never existed. And that habit of overriding my own feelings in order to love somebody else, mm. those tracks got laid mm. very early on. Well, yeah. And then that determined how I went about, without even knowing it, into my adult relationship overriding my own experience, ignoring my own truth, and particularly if somebody was emotionally distant or emotionally demeaning, I had learned to ignore that and love them anyway. Right. So like with your 23-year your, uh, marriage, he was pretty distant, even though you guys had a really good communication. Your, your relationship was fluid in terms of communication. He wasn't really available, and you triggered his uh, childhood stuff too. You talk about that in the book, right? Versus the second relationship where he was more, um, uh, he was very neglectful and you called abusive, you know, things like that. So that was the other uh, end of that spectrum, correct? Well, my, I would say my husband and I did our best with the level of consciousness that we had available to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of his childhood, he would emotionally withdraw. Mm -hmm. And because of my early abandonment, then I would get you know, feeling abandoned, and then I would get attacking, and then he would feel attacked like he did in his childhood, and it was the perfect storm. Right. But we spent a good 23 years trying to unravel that together. And right. by the time we ended our marriage, that wasn't really the dynamic anymore. What was true was we had gone as far as our journey could take us together. Right. So versus the next relationship, which was more unconscious on your partner's part, his family dynamics created a kind of narcissistic personality disorder, you say, uh, in him, and you uh, didn't share the skills. You know, you were asleep, he was asleep, and then it, you know, those kinds of relationships could be very uh, volatile, damaging, and painful, right, when there's less consciousness around the, those dynamics or, or ways that we constellate, right, uh, our unconscious material, right? Well, I wouldn't say that we were unconscious. What I would say is that there was a perfect replication in him of my father's narcissism in such a way that it activated all of my early primitive strategies. And, you know, I could ease... Okay, well, we're going to go to break, but go ahead and wrap up that thought real quick. 
I think it's a much longer thought than I can wrap up in a minute. <laughs> okay. Well, then, hold that thought then, Tina. We're going to be right back right after these messages. Chew on that. There's a lot here, a lot to unpack what our early experiences, um, how they affect us and those around us in our relationships. Nonetheless, we're going to be talking about how to deal ultimately with the longing for love in our hearts. And we get back right here on Marian Live with Tina Benson is joining us. Her new book, A Woman Under Herself, A Different Kind of Love Story. We'll be back in just a minute. Sick of seeing everyone around me partnered, but not me. I'm pretty and smart, so why can't I find someone? I'm tired of being the single girl at the party and going home alone. I'm lonely and depressed and feel like there's something wrong with me. That was me venting. Now I have completely changed my perspective to love and dating after I have discovered the book Sexy Secrets to a Juicy Love Life. Proven tips successful women use that help them avoid frustration, unhappiness, and the worry they'll be alone forever. Soulmate expert Lori Abella, together with 29 other experts, reveals sexy secrets to a juicy love life. This is the book that you've been waiting for to end your singlehood. Order your copy of Sexy Secrets to a Juicy Love Life, available at Amazon.com now. And say goodbye to singlehood. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marianne Live. We're so glad you're here. Are you breathing in and out? How's your relationship with yourself today? Oh, boy. Yeah, Tina Benson is joining us today talking about that very thing, her long and beautiful journey uh, which turned into a memoir for us to read, to take a look at this very issue, the longing in our own hearts, and how this manifests in relationship and, and what we can do about it, where we can turn our attention and look and see how we were, um, I don't know, wired together, I guess, uh, starting at a very early age, and how we can unravel that and bring more consciousness to the way we love in relationship. A Woman Under Herself is the title of her new book. Tina, before the break, you were telling us a story, and I, I had to cut you off. Sorry about that. Um, let's finish up your thought. You were going somewhere. Oh, well, what I was saying is that the, the relationship with the man who turned out to be a narcissist was a perfect storm for me because he, he had all of the particular flavors and components that my father had. He was dynamic, charismatic, extremely intelligent, funny, uh, sexy and sexual, and very compelling. And uh, it, it was the perfect storm to have me, somebody who is an educated, uh, double degree in psychology professional, easy to miss the signs. But what I, what I actually wanted to go back to was 
Uh, very early on in my life, before any of the trauma, I was when I was seven years old, I had a spontaneous, numinous experience. Those are the experiences where the veils of separation part. And I was lying in my backyard, and I felt the experience of oneness with everything, with God, with source, with soul, with spirit. And that longing to merge with that experience because of my childhood traumas got taken into my personal relationships with the outer beloved. So I searched for that in my early adulthood through my marriage and into the next relationship, trying to find that union with God through my lovers. And and that is a very powerful way to find that sense of communion. There you know, the whole path of Tantra is about using the relationship with the outer beloved to commune with God and to see your lover as the beloved, the God figure. But what I didn't know and really, really unwind in myself until this relationship ended was that that had been pretty much the predominant path for me, that I, what I needed to do was to cultivate internally that relationship with the divine beloved not at the exclusion of having that kind of communion with an outer lover, but that my relationship to the source wasn't, couldn't be dependent upon having an outer lover to have that communion. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It's a great differentiation. I think it may be the big chasm that many of us are trying to cross and don't know it because we haven't named it. Well, and there's so, you know, there is so much in our culture, in the literature, you know, the, you complete me is the mythology. You complete me. And we go out into our outer relationship looking for the other to complete us, to fill the hole, to make us feel uh, godly and worthy and lovable and whole. And the journey of my having looked outside of myself in my lovers for that was that, you know, eventually... Like I said earlier in the conversation, even if you are in the greatest love affair of your life, there comes a time where you have to greet your own aloneness. Mm -hmm. And you have to get still enough and quiet enough and comfortable enough in the empty space that you begin to walk your way toward the inner beloved. So that, you know, whether you're in a marriage that lasts until your old age, one of you eventually dies. And ultimately, each of us have to reckon with our aloneness, whether we do that within the relationship that we're in or we do that because the relationship ends or breaks up or somebody dies. At some point, our task, I believe, is to joyfully walk our way toward our own aloneness. And many people, certainly myself and in my practice, are afraid of turning towards that empty space. We fill it with sex and drugs and TV and the Internet and shopping and gambling, and there's a million ways in our culture to distract ourselves from ourselves, and ever more so many every day. And people are more and more and more frightened to turn towards the empty space. And what I tried to capture in my book was that even though that turning toward the empty space can initially be frightening and terrifying and most people are afraid that they will look into an empty chasm and nothing will be there, 
or that they will encounter howling dragons and demons, eventually what you find when you settle into that quiet, still, empty space is a profound glory greater than anything else I have ever known. And beyond the intimacy of joining with an outer beloved, that it becomes an internal love affair that is as ecstatic and sometimes more so than the greatest love affairs ever written about in all of literature. So, Tina, what kind of skills do we need to navigate this terrain, this um, externally referenced, I like to call it, the idea that love happens outside of ourselves, to turn and lean into, as you say, lean into this empty space uh, because generally, you know, uh, there are addictions to not that. Uh, there are lots of coping strategies. There could be trauma that people are defending against, all kinds of stuff. Let's, let's start somewhere achievable for folks who have a tool belt that they're just building and, and work from there. Um, yeah, where, where do you recommend sort of us newbies start? Well, it's a hard starting place because most people, including myself, will run through all the outer addictions first. And at some point, they will come up empty. Now, you can do that or you can decide to try moving towards yourself before you run through all the outer addictions and find them lacking. Um, but at some point, what it is is to be willing to greet the empty space, to be willing to turn off the TV and the Internet and the drugs and the sex and the shopping, and to sit in the discomfort of the empty space and to allow, if you stay with the discomfort long enough, what happens is the floor underneath you begins to open and there starts to become words of wisdom from the depths of your own soul that have all the answers that you're busy looking outside of yourself for. Mm. Places of wisdom internally that know your own beauty, that know your own purpose, that are very clear about the direction that will be most fulfilling for your life. And beyond that, you begin to enter even deeper states of wisdom that, that begin to know not as an idea or something you've read in a book, but something that bubbles up from the depths of your own bone marrow that knows your own worthiness and knows your own holiness and remembers yourself as the divine manifesting through your unique being in this lifetime. And those wisdoms can really only begin to surface if you can choose to go towards the still center point of your own being. Now, how a person does that is, is as varied as people on the planet. Some people can find that silent, still place by walking in nature. Some people can find it through meditation. Some people can find it through dancing. Dancing has been a, a large part of my journey. I have found my way to my own holy center on a dance floor many, 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 many times. 
I have found it through meditating. I have, I have found it through sitting in my garden and looking at the flowers in my garden. Anything that a person finds that attunes them to that always present, still inner voice where everything exists. Mm. A beautiful practice to cultivate. Uh, those are the words that I would ascribe to what Tina Benson's talking about. How do we turn our attention inwards, listening in? Oh, it sounds a little scary for some of us, but I know you can do it. Certainly, you have a leg up getting a copy of A Woman Unto Herself, a different kind of love story. Tina Benson's new book can help you on the journey. We are all inspired by her story. Uh, that's who we're talking with today. We're going to be back right after the break and talk a little bit about Okay, yeah, I found myself. Me and God, love it. Oh, here comes somebody else. <laughs> yeah, when we add other to this equation, what happens? Does it always flow? Does water always sink its own level? What's up with that? We're going to talk about it right here, Mary and Love. Don't touch that dial back in just a minute. <laughs> of seeing everyone around me partnered but not me I'm pretty and smart so why can't I find someone I'm tired of being the single girl at the party and going home alone I'm lonely and depressed and feel like there's something wrong with me that was me venting now I have completely changed my perspective to love and dating after I have discovered the book sexy secrets to a juicy love life Proven tips successful women use that help them avoid frustration, unhappiness, and the worry they'll be alone forever. Soulmate expert Lori Abella, together with 29 other experts, reveals sexy secrets to a juicy love life. This is the book that you've been waiting for to end your singlehood. Order your copy of Sexy Secrets to a Juicy Love Life, available at Amazon.com now. And say goodbye to singlehood. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships www.marianlife.com core certification learning tools to attract build and sustain great relationships also sign up for marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the northern california area www.marianlive.com what does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net. The Positive Radio Network. All right, everybody, welcome back. Yes, you have courage. Oh, and you have longing and desire, and you want to be in love, or you are in love, and and you just want some 
good advice. Well, we've gotten loads of that this hour with Tina Benson. This is what she does. She works with people, helping them navigate intimacy, couples, and relationships. So she's got the skills. She's got the good stuff. And so lesson number one, turn our attention towards the empty space. Cultivate a relationship with ourselves. That inner marriage is her advice to us. And my question as we come to the top of the hour, Tina, based on your own experiences, okay, we're spiritual, we got some tools, and then all of a sudden somebody else shows up. <laughs> and it seems like, what the heck could just happen there? How can I lose myself? I mean, why is that so, it happens so frequently. Let's talk a little bit about this and then how we hang on to ourselves uh, in relationship that, that can be so, like a merge with somebody else, yeah? Well, yes, and let's face it, the falling in love with somebody and merging with another is yummy. It's yummy, it's delicious, it's wonderful, and we enjoy it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that I really encourage my clients to do, and I practice myself and I find extremely life-saving, is to preserve what I call me time within a relationship so that there is built into my calendar a day every week where I unplug from my relationship, from my kids, from my work, from my to-do list, from the technology, and that day every day is my returning to myself. And I start that day without an agenda other than to check in with myself and to find out what it is I'm needing. And if that's a walk on the beach, that's what I do. If it's journaling, that's what I do. If it's dancing around my living room. But there is a guaranteed date that I have with myself. You know, people talk about having relationship dates where you make time to be with your other when you have kids and jobs and all of that. People leave out a date with themselves. And that is, in my mind, it's crucial. And at this point, it's less rigid as having a day because I have found ways now throughout every day where I am checking in with myself. There, and I have practiced it now enough over time that the courting that I have to myself is never really lost. But, you know, for somebody who, who has a tendency to lose themselves in intimate relationship with an outer other, it's very important that there is a time preserved for themselves with themselves so that they can return to themselves. And what I have found is that when two people in an intimate relationship are actually taking time away from each other to drop back into themselves, to pursue their own passion, to get lost in their own pleasures and bliss or whatever it is that they do, they have so much more to bring back to each other that it doesn't diminish the intimacy between them. It it can exponentially enhances it Mm. over time. Mm. And that the relationships that stay alive and vital don't stay alive and vital by both people losing themselves to each other. They stay alive and vital by both people pursuing their own relationship with themselves and then bringing the richness and the juice and the yumminess of that to each other. Mm. Talk about dance. Right. Yeah, and it's it's like, you know, I've done ecstatic dance for much of my life, and one of the things I love is I love to be on a dance floor where I'm my eyes are closed and I'm lost in my own rhythm, and I also love opening my eyes and finding somebody there, and we dance together for a few minutes, and we become one movement, neither me nor them. We're one 
movement. And then I also love letting them go and closing my eyes and returning to my own internal dance. And, and that, I think, is the challenge when you're in an intimate relationship and the yumminess of the union and the merging is so delicious, you have to also preserve returning to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's not, in my experience or worldview, a selfish thing. It's actually an act of generosity for the relationship to keep the home fire inside oneself burning and tended to. Yeah. And most of us can really just look back in our life and see the truth of that, and even if it's a, to a small degree. So, uh, you know, like with any practice, I think, Tina, you would agree with this, uh, try it out. If you don't like it, you can have your misery back. That's what my teacher used to say to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why not? What do you got to lose? Maybe you might find a deep love with yourself. Okay, we're coming up at the top of the hour here, Tina. And, uh, you know, you've taken such great care to, to share your story with us, and we're so grateful that you did. What's, what's next for you? What's next for you for us <laughs> as well? on your journey of, of, of healing and helping us find these tools? Well, you know, the book was just published October 9th is when it launched, so I'm currently in the bliss of receiving, uh, you know, the delight from people who are reading it, and I hope it spreads far and wide, and I would love to see the book, uh, you know, reach as many readers as need its message as possible. I also have my private practice, which continues. I take people traveling to sacred sites. I'm taking a group to Thailand and Laos in the next few weeks. And I will be publishing a book of erotic devotional poetry to the inner and outer beloved sometime next year. And um, we'll see what happens beyond that. Beautiful. Well, it's been a real privilege and a delight to have you with us. Such an eloquent speaker, a beautiful book. I read it cover to cover last night. I fell asleep with it on my lap. <laughs> uh, everybody needs a copy. Go to soulwhisper.com or wherever fine books are sold for more information. And uh, thank you again, Tina, for joining us here on Marianne Live. We hope you come back. Thank you, Marianne. It's been a pleasure. Okay, beautiful. Sit tight, everybody. We're going to be right back for our wrap right here on Marianne Live, www.marianlive.com for more information. Don't touch that dot. Be back in just a minute. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships begin within self-inquiry divination deck because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy fulfilling sustainable relationship and it's really simple sit quietly close your eyes turn your attention inward and draw a card you can go online right now and get a free reading on marianne live and try out the cards and for under twenty dollars what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention we wish you every blessing we'll see you next time check out marianne to be a good father is the most important job in a man's life but it doesn't have to be hard play catch go to a park or visit a zoo Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. 
but the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one eight seven seven for dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative.